Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Toral Schofer with the Toral Sales Houses team in Sumner, Washington. Last year, she closed 90 transactions with a total sales volume of $17 million. Her average sales price was $188,000, of which 35% were buyers and 65% were sellers. She operates a team with nine members, one buyer specialist, one offer closing manager, one office listing property manager, one field manager, one virtual assistant, and one team leader. Toral Schofer is the team leader of the Toral Sales Houses team. She has been an agent for 17 years. She works the foothills of Mount Rainier. In her best year, 2006, Toral sold 140 homes worth $40 million. This year, she's ramping up fast. In the first 36 days of 2013, Toral's already put 42 properties under contract worth $8 million. In this call, Toral talks about starting her career while in college, rebuilding after the Great Recession, restructuring, reorganizing, and settling over $2 million in debt, growing her brand, Toral Sells Houses, creating a mothership database system for all her leads, past client and sphere of influence marketing plan, a client appreciation party including barbecue, custom t-shirts, and vendor appreciation. Top 20 walking billboard advocates and ambassadors. Clickable Craigslist ads that generate 400% more leads. Property flyers that cause the phone to ring like crazy. Using your child in your advertising and paying them for modeling. Team structure and daily huddles. Managing your team with daily accomplishment emails and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Toral. Hi there. Toral, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. I actually had just graduated high school and I was attending the local community college, really trying to decide what I was going to do. So you were rather young then when you were getting into real estate. Yeah, I was just 19 and I actually was supposed to go on a a track scholarship to a four-year college but I'm an only child and just couldn't see leaving my parents. And so I stayed in the area. Toral, why did you decide to get into real estate? Well, I actually was attending the local community college and lived on a lake with my parents still because I just graduated high school and the real estate office down the road was offering real estate school. And that summer, my dad decided to say, you know, hey, you know, Toral, if you want to learn something this summer, I'll pay for you to go to real estate school. And I had no idea what real estate was even about. And 
I signed up and went to the morning class and, and really just fell in love with it and started going to the morning class and the night class and just really was like a sponge. I wanted to learn more about it. I didn't even really know what a mortgage was because literally I just graduated high school. So it was, it was really interesting to me. When you got in, did you have a fast start or a slow start? It was really fast just because I was, my head was spinning literally. And I was just taking anyone's extra floor time, they called it, or I was just in the office, literally probably, you know, 12 to 16 hours a day and didn't want to leave because I just was like a sponge and wanted to know more and learn, you know, what people were doing right and what people were doing wrong. How long have you been in the business now? I've been in about 17 years. How many homes did you sell last year? We sold 91 homes last year. How many homes did you sell in your best year? We sold um, right around 140 homes. And what year was that? That was in 2006. Do you remember your volume back then in 2006? Yeah, it was over 40 million. And we had about a, a commission income earned of just shy of a million dollars. Oh, wow. Wow, that's great. Now, if I understood correctly, you worked for ERA and your team was ranked pretty high. Is that correct? Yes. Um, I actually was an owner of ERA for, um, gosh, for about 12 years. And for several of the years, we were the number one team in the nation. We just had this uh, enjoyable recession that we've just gone through and are starting to come out of. You've had some major challenges during those recession years. Could you tell us kind of what was happening before the recession hit and, and what happened during the recession? Yeah, we had um, a lot of things going on. Um, we owned our ERA real estate franchise that was uh, about a 50-agent office. And my business partners and myself all had individual teams. And it was funny because we all believed in the team business model. And but then on the flip side, had individual agents working within our brokerage. So it seemed like our main focus, all of us, was our teams. But then here we were trying to run a real estate brokerage. And so that didn't really work out. We didn't have the same core values, same mission as, as our you know, individual agents that were in the office. So um, we had the ERA franchise, and we also owned a construction company where we built a bunch of new construction homes. We were building new homes. We actually had the largest commercial project in Sumner planned for development next to our office where we had six commercial buildings. And we had a, a few of them basically pre-sold to some dentists and orthodontists and oral surgeons. And um, my business partner decided that he was going to make a bunch of changes and got divorced and did a bunch of things and stopped paying on his, on his debts as part of the partnership. And it really put my other business partner and I in a bind. And then we, therefore, grew apart as well and, and decided to part ways. The construction company that you had, how many homes were you building a year? I had just bought into the construction company within the last year before we shut it down, really, um, as an investment, because at the time it had appeared that the market was generous and we had a lot of opportunity, but really it couldn't have been worse timing. So they were building, on average, about about a house a month. Their goal was to start a lot more, but then our market shifted. Toral, did I understand correctly that because of all these changes in the market and the, the slowdown in the businesses, the challenges with the partnerships, that you ended up saddled with a whole bunch of debt. Is that correct? Yeah. With the termination of the partnership, the LLCs were still in place and we had 
signed on each loan personally and therefore were responsible individually of the debts. And as a lesson learned is leverage in a great market appears like a great idea, but really at the end of the day, it's, it's really tough when the market shifts just enough where you can't get loans and you can't build out properties that were ready to go. And so, yeah, we, we, we definitely had um, a big change when the market shifted. Toral, how much debt were you stuck with? You know, we had, with mortgages and lines of credit with the companies, we had um, about $2 million in debt. And we had um, a franchise that, because we no longer wanted to continue with our brokerage, a franchise that was telling us that we couldn't stop being a franchise and therefore wanted to um, have us reimburse them for what they called lost future profits, where we had paid the bill to date, you know, as long as we were running our company. But when we decided to no longer be a partnership, they wanted for us to pay for the life of the contract based on the prior years that we had paid them a a royalty, which worked out to be about 385,000. And so that was scary. Um, (laughs) I, I, you know, I didn't quite know what to do with it. I knew that I didn't, I no longer wanted to be a franchise because we didn't have the support anyway needed to be recognized as a franchise in the area. We appeared more like a large local company. We, in order to pay them, we actually had to have like a full-time admin just to run their system to pay them. And it really was um, not a huge benefit. No one chose my team because I was ERA. And I learned a lot of stuff from them and, and they're a great company, but but I didn't need them um, is in order to be successful as a team. And I worked with their attorney and got that debt settled for um, $8,500. Wow. How do you get a debtor to take so much less than they're owed? That was a significant reduction. Yes. You know, through a few different avenues, I... I realized when the market changed that I immediately needed to learn new skills in order to help my clients settle their debts. And so literally, when 2007, our market crashed from the over, over supply and under, under demand, we immediately learned how to work with distressed property owners in order to help them get the information they needed to make good decisions on settling their debts. So I, de- I guess we can say I've had a lot of practice. <laughs> <laughs> the second thing is that, that I have amazing coaches and have always relied on having accountability in, in areas of my life where I wanted to, to have more strength. And through that, I, I think I can accomplish more things. Some of the other debts that you had, were you able to also get similar type of reductions? Yes, absolutely. I, I had um, in, the, in the kind of the mix of my, bit, my business partnership, you know, terminating and me opening my new office, um, even before this, my, my husband had left and it was kind of a shocker for everyone. But, you know, everything happens for a reason and we're, we're all good, you know, now and friends and everything for our son because we want to, you know, kill everyone with kindness kind of a thing. What I realized is that based on helping other clients in this market and, you know, their significant others leaving and the hardships that they were going through with income change is that I had qualified um, for hardships at that point too. And, and had the skills to, 
to negotiate those things out. Because if I if I owed the debt, I, I wanted to pay it. But if I had the qualifications to settle it, I, I wanted to do that too, because I, I want to do what's right and and help my family and, and move forward and, and learn from this so I can help other families, really. Is there a, a secret to settling a debt? Is there a, a formula or a trick to make that work? No. I, I mean, I, I think it's just being transparent with them about exactly what's gone on um, and, and the, the income that you currently have versus the expenses and creating a win-win for both them and you. Where is Sumner, Washington located? We are in the foothills of Mount Rainier, and we're about 30 miles south of Seattle and about 30 miles east of Olympia. Describe your current real estate market. We have a lot of demand right now, and we really have a shortage of supply. A lot of our inventory has gone away, so buyers that are buying are in multiple offer situations, um, sellers on average, are having um, faster market times than normal. If a price and strategy is compelling to the market, market time is usually less than 30 days. We have an improving price um, based on the lower supply. So we're, at, we're in a great market. When did the market turn around there? You know, it's really turned around in the last six months is when our inventory has lowered. A lot of it has to do, a lot of it has to do with the bank's in the REO releases, we don't see as many REOs in our area currently, and therefore the retailer having opportunity and our short sales seem to be getting improved faster. Do you have a niche or a specialization in your market? Well, I specialize the area I work, and that's kind of how I first started. But my really my my niche is my circle of influence, friends, family, and past clients. Your circle of influence. How much of your overall business do you think that accounts for? The circle of influence and referrals is um, well over 60%. What's making up the rest of your business, just generically in a big picture? You know, we have um, a small REO account with, um, with the asset management companies, or a couple asset management companies we work with. And we have a, a first-time home buyer opportunity that, that we, we tend to work with a lot of first-time home buyers, probably from our REO account and the price range that they're in. Um, based on statistics, and we were certified as distressed property experts, is the CDPE designation, years past, and have let everyone know that we can help them through that. Let's talk about your marketing and lead generation. How are you bringing business into your company? Probably the, the, the most recognized way that we are bringing business into our company is we have a lot of word of mouth and reputation. Because when the market was at its height and all of us that had um, a lot of income coming in advertised like we were movie stars. And so I literally had a crazy, insane, non-tracking advertising budget that I just can't believe was even in existence. But we had, you know, about five billboards that rotated we were on TV. We had a fleet of cars for all our team members. You name it. Like if, if my face could be on it, we paid for it. And so <laughs> <laughs> it was good, I guess, in the fact that, that we have a brand. Um, Toro Sells Houses is a brand. And we have um, been recognized as continuing to be strong in the business, even though we've literally um, removed that entire marketing budget. How long ago did you stop 
pushing the brand that heavily a couple of years ago. How long ago was it? Yeah, about two. Well, as soon as we didn't have the money to pay it, I guess is the, <laughs> the real answer. But um, we, our billboard contract came to an end. But you know what's funny about advertising is what I've always found is if you do something first in a market, you tend to be remembered for the next person that's going to do it, kind of like that purple cow. So for months after we had stopped doing the billboards, people would still say, I see you on billboards and I just drove by one of your billboards and, and I'm thinking in the back of my mind, you know, I haven't been on a billboard for over a year. But I just am like, great, I'm glad you saw us on the billboard. You know, I, I'm not going to argue by any means. And with our labeled cars for years, we had those, those all the different, you know, um, branded cars. And we, for years still, people say, I still see your cars driving around. So it's just being the first in your market to do something. You tend to keep that with you. So most of your business right now is coming from your circle of influence. And I assume that includes your past clients. How big is your past client database? With my past clients and the, whole, the database as a whole, we have over 5,000 people in it right now. But I would say past clients and friends, family, our database is about 2,000 strong. So about 2,000 is past clients and then friends and family. Where did 3,000 come from then? We have a direct import because throughout these last you know, years of my career, I wanted what I called like a mothership, somewhere for everything to land. Because when you're in real estate, you know, you're kind of juggling everything and you tend to have a lot of sticky notes and notepads and MLS sheets and everything everywhere. So there, it's hard to create a system for everything to go into. So I, I work with uh, a company, they're called RealPro and my friend, uh, my friends, well, one of them, I'm really good friends, Rob Levy, he owns it. And he created the system where our IVR leads, our web leads, our Dave Ramsey leads, really everything that we advertise can drop into the system without us having to manually enter it besides the leads that just literally call up into the office or, or just walk in. Okay. So all your leads are flowing into your real pro system and that's your mothership. That's our mothership. That's what you're talking about with your 5,000 database. The entire database is sitting in that real pro system. Is that correct? Exactly. So we have one, one thing that, we're, that we work through. RealPro is uh, it's a website on the front end with branded and, and stealth sites, but in the back end, it, it has this database and database management capability, and, and that's what we're kind of talking about now, right? Yes, that's exactly what it is. And, and it's, it's such a great feeling to have everything go into one system, because I have friends that are amazing top producers and top leaders, and and they're not using one system currently. So it just kills me when I'm talking to them and they're not you know, consistent with their database management. Because it, it's not a strength of ours, right? When we're, we're the go-getters and we, we're talkers and we, we just want to be doing things, we're not always the most organized of the, the groups. The back end of the system that these people are in, I assume that it has a way for you to send out emails and schedule other follow-up. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. It actually, once someone signs up, they immediately go into what we call a drip campaign and a follow-up email is being sent to them for thanking them for signing up for the site, but then also notifying us that they did sign up and what they're looking for. And then it continues to follow up with them on a plan that I've approved through the system. So it's, it's pretty easy because they create it for you, but then you can tweak the letters to be more personal. 
Yeah, let's talk about how you're staying in touch with this database, your past clients, your friends and family, and then also, I'm assuming the other 3,000 that are just all the leads that have been trickling in through all these other sources. So they're, they're all different levels of leads from outside. You mentioned plans. You have follow-up plans. How many different follow-up plans do you have? Oh, we have a, we have a lot of them. Um, we have like a lead synchronization where a new buyer lead comes in and we have a follow-up plan for like a new buyer. We have a general follow-up that if they're just inquiring about real estate, and we have um, an after-sale follow-up that we call our follow-up drip. So if they've bought or sold with us, that we touch them um, after the sale to make sure um, that they don't need any additional help from us or give them information on um, what the market's doing. And um, we have a Dave Ramsey follow-up because um, I'm an endorsed local provider for Dave Ramsey. And we have actually a picture of him on the stationery that goes out so they, re- they recognize him and me both together as um, a partnership, if you will, for, for helping his clients that he refers us. And um, a few other ones for first sale by owner or if you're looking into bank owned, depending on what tab you pick on our website or if you get man- manual entry, we get to pick from a list of what campaign we want it to, to go to. And probably more importantly, the, they come from me because I have you know nine different team members in the system and everyone is assigned their own leads. So if they have the opportunity phone, we call it, leads are coming in and being assigned to them. And through the admin portal, we can see who has what leads assigned to them. And they're immediately getting assigned drips with emails coming from me. So it doesn't look like the buyer specialist doesn't know what they're doing. For example, the buyer specialist called them and said, hey, I saw you just logged into our site. And the next day they get an email from me saying, hey, I just saw you logged into the site. So it's not the same person. I want to talk about your past clients and how you stay in touch with them. Is there a follow-up system or are you trying to make a certain number of contacts per month or per year? How do you stay in touch with your past clients? Well, a lot of times the the follow-up that we're doing is through the emails. We have a newsletter that goes out monthly and we usually send out something of value uh, monthly to them as well through email. We used to do the, the mailers and we moved away from that with, you know, budget cutting and those kind of things. We're actually looking at getting those back in to our system and delivering our advocate or our, our very top um, referring clients or, you know, the ones that we work with the most into a, a, maybe some kind of a, a mailer or touch campaign again just based on research I've been doing. But for now, we've just really been communicating with them by email and by phone call. And we, we also go, if we're in the area, I'll, I'll stop by and visit them or I see them at functions in the area, community events, those kind of things. Okay. So the newsletter that you're sending out monthly, is that an e-newsletter? Is it electronic? Yeah, electronic through RealPro. They do it for us. You mentioned you're also sending out something of value. Are you sending it with that newsletter or is that something separate? Something separate. Like recently, um, I took the time to write my story about what I've you know, learned the last few years and, and how I think and how I know that that can help our, our clients you know, with their decision making with real estate. And, and so we emailed out and it, the headline was literally Toral's story and we attached it to the the email that went to the whole database of 5,000 people. And 
I gosh, I probably had 50 responses from that, which wasn't a bad, you know, response percentage. I didn't feel based on just on a whim, decided to send my story out. But other things that we're sending are, you know, if the if we're having a shift in the market, we'll send them statistics. We'll send them, hey, don't forget to, you know, set your clocks back. We just we're we're, we're trying to get them something every month that's a value to them. We've done in the past um, campaigns where we'll ask them to enter into a drawing to win a gift card. We've asked for um, participation for them to stop by our client appreciation event. Just different things, either inviting them, providing value, or sharing with them either about us, what we're doing, or the market. So you're emailing your past clients twice a month? At least once a month. The, the newsletter, I don't really count as an email because I don't, it's not something that I've put together, but I guess that would be a contact. So technically, yes, but it's not pers- it's, well, it's personal, but it's not me. Okay. So once the newsletter and then a second time, you're making your, your more personal contact, this idea of something of value. Mm-hmm. And then you also mentioned phone calls. How often are you phone calling your past clients? Well, the goal is for each team member to make 10 live contacts a day if they're working as an independent contractor on our team. So my goal is 10 live contacts. The buyer team's goal is 10 live contacts. So if you have to make 20 calls to get the 10 live contacts, that's, that's the goal. Are we human and, and not always perfect with that? Yes, but, but we're holding each other accountable by, um, by sending our daily emails to each other so we know what we're doing. What do you say when you make that contact? What verbiage or script are you using? Because we've branded and because, you know, there are friends and family and past clients and people that, that we know, we're just calling to check on them to ask how they're doing. Um, Larry Kendall, who is one of my, my heroes from forever ago, um, he uses the Ford, which is, you know, you're calling about family, occupation, recreation, and dreams, and really just asking them what is going on with them. In that conversation, do you ask for business or are you just talking about one of the Ford items? Usually just talking about one of the Ford items. The, the funny thing about calling is if you were to call them, in my opinion, and I think I used to do this when I was a new agent, if I'm just asking them every time, you know, who do you know that wants to buy or sell real estate or will be investing in real estate in the near future, they're just not going to take my call anymore. And so I just want them to take my call. And so... A lot of times we'll even, we'll even just send like a text message because sometimes it's easier to reach people by text these days, depending on who they are. Or Facebook, because we're watching, you know, we're, we're trying to friend our friends that are, are in our database on Facebook as well and can check in with them through Facebook and send them a message. Has that been successful for you to get your database into Facebook? Yeah, absolutely. What percentage of your database do you think is contacting you through Facebook? You know, I don't know the exact percentage, but every time we, we reach someone new or adopt a new client, we are always reaching out to them with, in front of requesting them or, you know, like through our, um, our admin department. And one of our buyer specialists, he's had a great result in, in capturing buyers and, and prospects from Facebook. And he's, he's just very social and on Facebook. It's, it's, really, it's really cool. You mentioned you have a client appreciation event. What is that? Oh, yeah, we've done it now. Um, This year was our seventh anniversary because I've always wanted to do a client appreciation, but it was hard to put together. And I just, I felt like it was going to be maybe too much to take on. But on our 10 year anniversary, so seven years ago, 
we we did it. And then now we've done it every year without a doubt. And we do it in the summer. Um, it's usually in August. We usually pick a Sunday and we have it from about 12 to 4 or um, 12 to 3, something like that. And we've done um, like a carnival theme. So then that way the, the families can come together and bring their kids and friends and their families with um, a barbecue event. And we do a thousand dollar cash drawing to um, to a winner. And then we've also had our vendors offer um, donations as well to, to have multiple drawings. Where is this held? Is this held at your office or a park or where, where is that? The first few years, we actually rented a park. It was about $300 and they had the barbecues built in and everything. And then when I bought my new office, we have a very large area in the back that is perfect set up, kind of like a park. And it worked out to have them be able to come tour our new office and have our event there. And it's free. And so you're providing food. Did you say you're providing some type of entertainment as well? Yeah, in the past we've had, we had a band, we've had DJs. Um, For the kids, we've had clowns in the past, but we also have like the temporary tattoos and um, we had a dunk tank for the children. And then those big bouncy houses, we usually have a large one or two there for the kids to jump on and everyone can just have fun. And there's lots of tables for everyone to sit on, but we bring tables. My parents are amazing and help me out so much. And we get to use their tables and umbrellas and our our team members. And it just looks like a big barbecue. It's really, really cool. And we usually have at least 150 to 200 of our friends or past clients show up. And the last two years, we haven't even done, we haven't done any kind of a mailed invitation. It's just literally been through word of mouth, through Facebook. Um, We did an evite. And then we did a, a call, like a broadcast call. And we had an amazing amount of people come. So it's really not expensive, really, when you get down to it, because you know, the, the, the tables are there, you know, we're, we're bringing the tables in, we have the barbecue, um, and um, my team or their families are helping with the barbecue and doing, you know, the catering, if you will, and our friends and, and family are helping with, you know, with the tattoo artists, and we, really, we only have to rent the bouncy house and, and dunk tank, and then you know, buy the hot dogs and stuff. So really, and we've had ice cream in the past and snow cones, depending on the weather and stuff, but it's really not a lot for the response you get in just to be able to give back to all these nice people that have helped us with what we do. What do you think your total investment is on the, on the whole project? With the $1,000 drawing, all the food and the different things that we've done, it's, it's less than $2,500. But then we also gave t-shirts to everyone that came in and our T-shirts were bright red, like the colors of our, our team logo. And on the front, it's proud to be awesome. And on the back, it has our logo with our core values. And so everyone wears those to gyms and stuff because everyone's proud to be awesome. Why do you offer a cash drawing? Did you try it before without that and you had lower attendance? Does that generate a higher attendance? We used to do a cash drawing or a, a trip to Mexico because they were, at the time, you know, this is seven years ago, they were pretty hand-in-hand because we have um, a timeshare in Mexico that we can use yearly. But the airfare now exceeds usually the $1,000 total. And I just like to have a cool big drawing to get people to come there. 
And I just done it for so many years and I didn't ever think that, hey, we should remove this because it, I, you know, it was worth a thousand dollars to me to, to have them come visit. But I don't think that you have to do it at all. I think that you could have vendors, you know, and, and, and have your different things for drawings and not have a huge prize like that. You mentioned that to get people there, you're, you're using word of mouth, Facebook, invite. You said something on the broadcast. Is that like a voicemail broadcast? Yeah, it's like a broadcast voicemail that goes out. And it's kind of fun because it's through our Arch Telecom, which is our IVR system, which is an amazing system that we have a lot of calls come in through. But we pay $10 a month for the system that will um, send a message. And, and if someone answers their phone, the message that I record says, hey, it's Coral, don't hang up. I'm just calling to let you know about our client appreciation party that's coming up here in August. And I want to make sure you knew that you were invited. And then I give them the date and the time and location. And then if they don't answer and it goes to their voicemail, it just says, hey, it's Toral. Sorry, I missed you. Wanted to remind you that we're having our client appreciation party. So it's like I made a personal call. So I would prefer if they just all went to voicemail because then it's like I called every single one of them. But if they answer, then it says, hey, don't hang up. Now, you said you stopped mailing things out. So there's no mail out invitation. Did you say you sent out an email? Yeah, we sent out through the drip campaign. We sent out a, an email saying a few of them, like months in advance and then every month and then a few right before the event just saying, hey, don't forget about our client appreciation party. We have this, you know, a, a cash drawing. I hope to see you there. Will you, will you be attending? And we asked for the response there as well. But if they don't respond, then we just know how many we've been um, sending to. Do the attendees have to RSVP so you have a count? You know, we, we haven't been formal with our RSVP because we, it's, hard, it's been harder to do the RSVP with how busy people are. But we usually have an idea based on personal contacts we've made of about how many we'll have. And it depends on weather. We've, somehow I've picked the hottest days of the year. It's usually, you know, in the summer here, 70, 75 is normal. In the last two years, I literally, they've been like 95 degrees. But we've still had 150 or 200 people come. Do you just buy a lot of extra and you end up with uh, enough hot dogs to last you and your family for three months afterwards? Uh, how, how do you make sure you don't buy too much? Well, usually, you know, if we send out, oh, I know that I have about 2,000 people in my database. And you figure if you send out an invitation for a summer event, a barbecue, I, I've heard in the past that you could maybe have a 10 to 20% response, you know, from that invitation it's not a wedding. It's not, you know, it, it's, it's just, you know, stop by, we're having a barbecue. And so we usually buy about 300 hot dogs and enough to feed 300. And if we feel like we're running low, maybe halfway through the event, there's stores right down the street. We'll just go down the street and buy some more hot dogs. But we've always calculated pretty close to based on who we invite. We invite all 5,000 in our database, but the, some of the ones that are coming in, we only have their email address or we only have their phone number. And they don't really know who we are, some of them, because, you know, they're just, you know, cold leads that have come into our system. So we don't always have all of them show up, but we have a handful that do, and we get to meet them. Ah, so you invite the, the leads in your database as well as your past clients, family, and friends. Yes. If you were to look out at the, the normal situation where you have 150 to 200 people, what percentage of those people do you think are past clients, family, and friends, and, and just leads that are in your system? There's at least 10 to 20 per year 
that come that are like, I've never met you. We've, we haven't bought with your team or sold with your team, but we came to your event because we've been getting um, your information and we wanted to come meet you guys because we're planning on doing something in the future. Okay. And that's about 10% of your attendees. Yep. So it's worth going out to that larger database for you because you're picking up some extra business. Yeah. And it's fun with a call broadcast. Kind of funny. A little overwhelming, but we'll go with that. Because when, when this broadcast goes out, you know, I think based on the database, it went to like 1,500 people. And some of them won't listen to the message and they'll just call the office right back. And we're like, hey, you know, we just left you a message. We wanted to let you know about our client appreciation party. And some of them will be like, why did you call me? They're so confused. But it, it gives us opportunity to, to talk to them. And they have our phone number in their phone now. You know what I mean? Like it has a few different things that I like about it. But it can be a little overwhelming when you have, you know, hundreds of calls coming in. How do you make sure you know everybody's name when they come in? Do you have them go to a registration table and get a name tag? How do you make sure you're, you're calling everybody by the correct name? Yes. We um, have name tags as they come in when they enter in to the drawing. And it was pretty cool last year. Our local lender had iPads on stands. And so when they came in, we had a couple iPads and then they just filled in their name their most recent email, phone number, and address. And then we ask questions like, are you looking to buy or sell? Do you, are you interested in property management? Are you interested in you know, making a loan change? You know, just kind of standard stuff. And that way they could answer those questions. And then it got printed on a spreadsheet for us after the event for our drawing. And then they get their t-shirt there and they get to see all the cool stuff that we're drawing for. And we get to put a name tag on them so we make sure we know who they are. You know, like when most of them, we know who they are. But in case, you know, we don't, we have them have name tags. One of the other things we do to tell people about the event is we give each team member a bunch of postcards that we print here at, or we print at the office that is a save the date. And they deliver them to their personal friends, family, sphere of influence to remind them about the event. So it's like a bigger business card kind of a thing. So a lot of these past clients, friends and family are people that are your team members' circle of influence. Yes. What do you do during the event? I just talk to people. It's a blast. They just come in and we, last year our theme was a hoedown carnival. And so I wore my black and red cowboy boots and jean shorts and had my hair in like two, you know, piggy tail braids and a cowboy hat, I think. It was, it was really fun. So you just walk around, you do a meet and greet, see how everybody's doing. So I assume you bump into people that you don't know. They're people that are in the circle of influence with other people in your office. Do you have the name tags somehow indicate that? Is there any kind of reference on the name tag to help you identify who they are? No, but that's a great idea. We will take note of that for next year. Toro, do you do any kind of speech? Do you do a, do a formal speech where you tell everybody, hey, thanks for coming? Or, or how does that work? I've always wanted to do that. And I've actually been part of Toastmasters for years and um, became a Toastmaster. And I just, I, I don't know why I haven't, but I, I've thought about it every year. And it, somehow it's gotten out from underneath me because it's kind of a pop by, like an open house. And so there isn't really a time where everyone is there because we do the drawing afterwards. So it's hard to coordinate. So I feel like the one-on-ones where I try to teach everyone that's there has been effective versus doing a you know, like a formal, you know, thanks for coming and, and share because there isn't a good time to do it because it's just a constant flow. You said the drawing is done afterwards. So 
Is that done in front of some of the audience or is that done in the office afterwards? In the office, because we want to make sure it's fair and that the families haven't registered twice and that everyone has equal opportunity, but we have like a third party draw it. Okay. And then you just notify the winners, here you go. And uh, and then what, you get to drive over to their place and say, hey, here you go. Here's $1,000 or here's an iPod or... Yeah, we actually have them come to the office and we get a picture with them. And then we put it on our Facebook page for our team. Oh, that's a good idea. Some social proof. Yeah. And on all the drawings, all our sponsors that we had throughout the time before our event, we had been posting, hey, don't forget about our event. We have this cool. We had a one of those coffee makers that everyone wants that makes individual cups, the Keurig, I think it's called. Everyone wanted those. And we had all these different cool, like a gym membership, these um, neat drawings where people were seeing that on their pages. And it was reminding them that they should come to our event, you know, to say hi to us and have fun, but too, that they can win neat things. You said your vendors, which vendors are you talking about? You have a, a mortgage person, anybody else? Yeah, mortgage. Um, we had home inspectors donate. We had local businesses donate, like the local gym, different um, independent like makeup, lotion type companies. Just anyone and everyone that, that we know that we do business with, we asked them if they wanted to be part of our event. The vendors also attend with their families? Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're welcome to come. And if not, we, we, we showcase their stuff nicely, but we'd like them to be there for sure. Do you have banners? Do you have your name plastered out there somewhere? Yeah, well, it's, it's in front of our office. So we have, you know, our, our Toral Sales Hospital team on the front of our building. And we had made a banner that says, you know, Client Appreciation Party, August 13th, $1,000 cash drawing on um, right in front of our office as well. We had that out a few weeks before the event. And at the event, we have different posters and we have a ton of balloons and it decorated nicely with um, tablecloths and you name it, that match all of our, our branding. Do you give the attendees a, a spiff or say a party favor when they leave? Our mortgage company gave them a party favor, like a bag of stuff that has, I think, a pen and a pencil or something of value to take. We have t-shirts that we give them that they love um, and it, everyone gets one. Everyone in their family gets one. And um, we, haven't, we haven't done a lot of other things besides T-shirts, really. Actually, T-shirts are a great idea. How do you make sure that you get enough in the right sizes? Based on experience from prior years. And the, the good news is we, we sponsor our different softball teams and, and throughout the community. So on the T-shirts, I don't mind ordering more because we all wear them. And, and as new, new team members um, come into our team, we like to give them T-shirts to give to their families, so um, I don't mind order, you know, over-ordering T-shirts. So you order a couple hundred T-shirts then? Yeah, we ordered, I think, 500 or more. Did you do that just for this event, or did you do it at the beginning of the year and you just happened to have them? We did it right before the event because we wanted to decide what color we were going to do for the event and the, what, you know, cool. The year before, we had the word strength on the T-shirts and then our, our team logo on the back. Um, this year, we wanted it to be more fun because we're, we decided that, that we're going to have some fun this year and um, that real estate is fun. And so we did the Proud to be Awesome and then our core values right below our logo at, on the back. Do you just get everything in extra large? How do you know which ones of which to get? Smalls and larges and extra larges? Are you getting different ones for men and women? You know, that's a lot of different variables. How do you, how do you play that? How, how do you make your order? You know, we asked the t-shirt company, hey, we're having an event. 
this is how many people we think will be coming. It's a barbecue for families. And then they help us, you know, figure out where where our order would be best placed. A lot of times you find that, that most will fit an extra large, whether they're they're a male or female. And, and, you know, the large can kind of be universal. And so their T-shirts can be unisex, but fit nicely either way. And you get some kids' shirts as well, some smaller ones. Yep, a lot of them. What T-shirt company do you use? We use All Color Printing. And they're just a local company. We, we like to help our local companies. How much does that cost to order those 500 shirts? You know, I want to say it was less than $10 a shirt with the printing on both sides, and they were bright red. But I've looked online to see if they would be less expensive online. I'm very much a researcher when it comes to spending money. And so it fell into the, into the average or the ballpark mm-hmm. of what you were seeing out there. And that's with tax and everything. Like it wasn't, they may have even only been eight. For the, the value and the, you know, the happiness in the kids' eyes that they got a really cool t-shirt, it's very cool. Any last thoughts or recommendations to someone who would be thinking about putting on a client appreciation event? You know, I, I would just say to do it. It doesn't have to be a huge event. It can just start with like a small gathering um, at your office um, to recognize and appreciate them. You know, don't make too big of a deal out of the event itself because we kind of get overwhelmed with all the stuff that we're already doing in real estate. And at the end of the day, it's just about reaching out to them to invite them to come by. And if anything, if they can't make it, it's the thought that counts and recognize them that you're, you, you know, you're thinking about them. Is there anything else that you do during the year? You know, we've covered a lot of territory now, but is there anything else that, that I'm missing that you do for your past clients and your circle of influence? I usually take our top 20 to 30 like advocates for our team that are our people, ambassadors that they probably would literally take down the neighbor's sign if they didn't see mine there. <laughs> <laughs> the ones that are just amazing, you know, the, our, our army, our, our literally our walking billboards, I call them. And I usually try to stop by and, and bring them something of value. Last year, um, we delivered... I had um, went to Costco and they have these really cool double diamond winter jackets that they look like minimum $150 jackets. And you could get the women's for 29 and the men's for like 33. And so I bought a bunch of those jackets and I had our logo um, embroidered on them. And I delivered those to um, about our top 20 advocates that are, some of them are my best friends. Some of them are just amazing clients and, and friends from the past and, and just made a personal touch and gave them something of value and, and appreciated them. You're talking about your, your top 20 advocates, the ambassadors. How do you identify them? I, I understand your best friend, so we've got one. How, how do you identify these 20? Just your cheerleaders, the ones that, you know, through thick and thin want you to succeed. They will call you or, or message you as soon as they hear someone that's talking about real estate that know that, that you're going to take care of their, their friends, their neighbors, their family, and they make sure you know about it. And so they're going to be the ones that stand up in the crowd and say, I know someone that can help you. It's my friend Toral and her team, and, and she'll take good care of you. So just the ones that throughout the years have stood out that – have made an effort to be part of what we're doing. We've talked about this big database, the big overall database. 
Do you ever remove people from the database? Yes, absolutely. How come? I have a lot of influence in this business. And um, through Howard Britton and, and the different stars out there in, in Star Power, we, we've become friends. And Michael Mayer wrote a book called um, The Seven Levels of Communication. And he actually helped me get out of my own way with deleting people because I went back and I categorized the database, the sphere of influence into the different um, categories like the ambassadors and that are, you know, our advocates and, and our champions and just friends and family. And then ones that were flat out delete. And sometimes it, before I started deleting, it was hard for me to delete because I'm like, well, what if, you know, they're nice on the next transaction or we'll actually, you know, be human when we work with them. <laughs> well, then why am I asking myself all these questions? So I just, I went through and, and the ones that, that I just felt like it was more value not to work with them, that I just deleted them out of the, the database because we don't have to work with everyone. It was hard, wasn't it? Yeah, it was hard. And, we, and if they call back, you know, because they know that we're the best because we are, they, then we'll refer them to someone else. So what would cause somebody to be deleted out of the database? Just being mean. <laughs> we, <laughs> we have a sign up at our office. It's, it's, you know, with the market change, there's a lot of stress going on. And, and we absolutely kill people with kindness and we know what they're going through. But some, some just aren't maybe going to be happy. And we've done everything in our power and our best foot forward. And we, we just didn't win. And it, we couldn't create a win-win for both parties. And we've just decided that we have to move on. You mentioned earlier that you've done all kinds of marketing. It got really elaborate there for a while. Could you tell us what has been your worst marketing? Something you would tell somebody, hey, don't do this. I was brainstorming with myself, if you will, on what my worst marketing would be. And I, I don't feel like I've done any like bad marketing. I would say just not tracking would more maybe be the better answer. I didn't track well enough to tell you. And so insight from that was to track your dollars and what your return on investment is. And how are you tracking that now to make sure that, that you do know where those dollars are going? Well, we ask. <laughs> when they call in, we have a call-in sheet that, you know, how did you hear about us? Or who did you hear about us from? We have the call capture system that they type in a code that tells us, you know, did they call from the flyers? Did they call from Craigslist? You know, how did they get into our system? And so now we, we see those dollars and where we're getting the response from. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search Real GTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. You ask them when they call in. I assume some of them don't know, but you do try to track it that way. You also have, you mentioned before the IVR, the Interactive Voice Response. I think you mentioned Arch Telecom is the company that you use for that. And you're able to identify a, a tracking code for each 800 number or each 800 number extension that you use so you know what they were calling in on, correct? Yes. And then for your internet leads, I assume you have a tracking system in there with your real pro system that you can kind of see what did they do to get to you. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I think you mentioned to me at some point or I saw somewhere you, you're doing some advertising on Craigslist and you said something about, I think, a, a clickable ad. What does that mean? With tracking, my virtual assistant 
that I've hired, he is very techy. And so weekly, he sends me a report that shows me how many calls did we have from flyers, how many leads did, came into the database um, through different mediums, through Craigslist, through our website, um, how many um, hits did we have overall on our website, and how many page views did they look at. He sends me all of those reports, which are easy to get to, but I didn't always take the time to get. So then that way I can share them at our team huddle. And he, when I hired him, I had been to a class on making Craigslist ads clickable. And through a, a few clicks, literally, I, 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 I have never done it myself, but I had him write a how-to on how to do it. And it's really simple where he just took a really basic ad because I found that when we were really branded on Craigslist, and we looked like a real estate company, we didn't get as much exposure and we didn't have as many hits. But when we looked more like a, a basic, you know, sell my house ad with a couple photos and just some nice remarks about the property that they could click through to our website, we, we, we got a much better response on it. When you say a clickable ad, is it a picture or is it like text that's a clickable link? Yeah, it's a picture. Like, so literally, like when you have your mouse over the picture on Craigslist, you can click on it and it will take you right to the property and all the details on our website. Okay, but it doesn't look commercial. It looks generic. Yep. So that's interesting. How did you pull that off so that people think it's generic, but it's, it's not acting like a, a Craigslist ad because you can click on it? Yeah, it's, it's really simple because just like if you were to log in today to sell something on Craigslist where you type in the description and upload a couple photos, that's exactly what we do. But we put our, you know, our, our company name and everything, but it's not like the big backdrops you see with the flyer and you know, all the fanciness. We have those through RealPro. Like they give us those for free and we did those before, but we, we were more intimidating. Like we were going to sell them something, I think, versus this just looks like a plain ad. And and I, I don't know exactly if that's the answer, but I know that we increased our our web leads to our website, which I know it's from Craigslist because we don't have a lot of other things we're paying for to drive people to our website, and we increased it by 400%. We went from about 3,000 hits on our website a month through not doing anything, just like people just going there, finding us through our location and those kind of things to, on average, uh, fourteen to 16000 a month. You say you're sending them to your website. Do you have two websites, a branded and a stealth site? You know, I do, but I, I mainly advertise the branded one. So you're sending these leads to your branded site. So by the time they get to your site, they know that it's you. Mm -hmm. They know it's a real estate agent. Okay, let's go back to the ad. What kind of ads are you putting on there that are creating this huge number of clicks to, to go over to you? What, what kind of things are you advertising? We have nice properties, um, but then we have bank owns. So we had one that we just recently did where we, we said, you know, own your cabin down by the river. When that movie, you know, cabin down the dead end street or whatever it was, kind of the same, same timing. And so we put, um, we put the, you know, own your cabin down by the river. And it was, it was not an expensive cabin by any means, but we, we had a huge amount of response from that. And we, you know, we try to be creative with the headline to, to bring them in and then just give them enough so they're interested and then they want to click through. And if they really want more information, they have to register. Walk us through that. So you've got a tempting headline that somehow gets their interest. Then when they come in and they look at the ad a little more, they see a couple pictures mm -hmm. of the property. And what kind of information do you give them on the Craigslist ad? 
Do you give them how many bedrooms and baths there are or prices or addresses? What, what information is there? We try to give them things of value that we would want them to want. Like probably if it's a two-bedroom, we're maybe going to maybe put the square footage in instead of the bedrooms. We want to give them, most people want a three-bedroom, two-bath, or they want so much square footage. So we usually take our marketing remarks that, that don't have you know, um, specific features in them. Usually it's talking about the location or the upgrades, the amenities of the property, not always the exact you know, features of the property. And we just paste that into there. So then that way we want them to be intrigued to call or to, to inquire to get more information. Okay. And they click on that ad now. They go from Craigslist on over to your branded website. What do they see when they get to your branded website? They're going to see some more information. They're going to see maybe more pictures. What is different from what they've seen on Craigslist to what they see on your website as far as that ad was concerned? Where, where do they go? And what do they see? When they click on the ad on Craigslist, it I don't know. I've looked at it a few times, but I don't know that it just shows right away that it's Toro Sales Houses because we have individual URLs for each property. So it's literally drilling down right onto the property they're interested in. So they're not reading about us first. They're reading about the property they wanted more information on. And so then that's when they can see a lot more pictures, a lot more details. They can map it to see what area it's in and they can do you know, mortgage payments, you name it, right from that, that site. And then they can, at that time, save a search that matches similar properties. Now, you mentioned register. Do they have all the information they need when they first hit the page? Or are you withholding some information that they're going to want about that property and require them to register? We've done it a couple of different ways. And we, um, we ask them to register. And we always um, ask them for their phone number. When they land on this page after they've clicked from Craigslist and they come to your page, they're going down to the, the property level. They're seeing the property page. Does the property page have all the information like the address, number of bedrooms, bathrooms, price, all the things that they would need to decide, yeah, I like it or no, I don't? It, you know what? I have to log in and see because I've changed it so many times. You've experimented. I've literally changed it so many times because I wanted to get the most capture and whatever we've landed on is the one that is the best one. But I, I actually should know that answer. I can drill down and tell you though. That'd be awesome. I think people would be curious what's been working. I mean, you increased your clicks 400% and you're getting 16,000 people to, to go over there and search each month. I mean, that's a big number. I'd be curious what, what they see when they land and, and why they would need to register is where I'm going. Yeah, because we have about, depending on the day, two to seven actual registering that, that drop into Real Pro that they've set up a search. They've usually left their name and, or they've left their name and phone number and it checks our buyer team and it rotates. So we have, on average, the visitor that's coming in is looking at 10 to 20 pages on our website. So we're keeping them there and we have definitely had the exposure increase and the very first thing when you log into my website, if they were to go back to the homepage, is my story. But they're going to see that afterwards. They're curious about the property first, and then eventually they want to find out about Toral. Yep. So when they go in and they, they hit that landing page, have you dug into that yet? Have you seen it? I'm going right now. I was just logging in. Okay, so they do see right away that 
where the Torosos house is team and the picture of my son and I, which is on everything. And they see pictures, they see the address, the listing number, the square foot, they see everything they want. And then if they want to do um, more information, we ask them to register. Okay. What was not on that page that, was there anything that you would think somebody would normally want that was not on the page, like the address, the price, the bedrooms, the bathrooms, the square footage? Or is it just kind of a teaser? Hey, you want more information and they click on it because they think maybe there's more. Do you, do you understand what I'm asking there? Yeah, it's exactly. We, we give them a little bit more when they get here, but in order for them to see more photos than the ones that they just saw, they have to register. So more photos. More photos, more if they want to map it. Um, we let them do that. And then if they want um, just more information, like they feel like the, the information that we've already given them isn't enough, they have to register. And then they, right from here, they can either save this property, which makes them register, or um, they can start a new search right from this property. So it kind of matches the ad, but it just gives them more opportunities. We're trying to just drive people for free to our website. You want to capture their information, and that's this registration if they want to go beyond. So you're showing them one piece of information on this property in this case. And if they want more information about that property, they have to register. Is there uh, something on there that says, hey, search for other properties? Yes, for sure. And then do they have to register to do that, or does that process start and then stop them in the middle somewhere and ask them to register? Yeah, they can, well, they can either register right for, to get more information on this specific property, or they can sign up for homes by email, or they can search for bank-owned properties. Is bank-owned properties one of your highest lead generators? It's a sales site. When we were doing like the pay-per-click, we had a lot of, a lot of um, interest in that site. We wanted to go, go towards a lot more of the techniques to bring in free leads, then we wanted to spend money to a attract them. So I did all the research to figure out, you know, what can we do to drive more people to us so we can help them and have our budget, you know, a lot lower than, than we've had in years past. And, and that really we've accomplished that in the, last, in the last two years. These Craigslist ads, as an example, what percentage of your business do you think is coming in from your Craigslist ads? Through RealPro, it, it, it tells us that the buyer team, on average, their goal is to sell two a month, and either through our IVR system, which is our, our flyer call to action plan that I'm, that I'm sure we'll talk about, and then our website leads, they are usually generating one to two sales a month from that. Did you say flyers? Yes. We kind of looked at everything that we used to do and, and track the things that we did right, and we have flyers that are so simple, but they work. They're amazing. We pulled everything off the flyers, literally like the description and the price and the everything. And at the top, it literally says in bold, due to the rapidly changing market, call Toral's hotline for the current information and price. And then it has a 1-800 number and then the IVR code for that specific property. And then literally it has usually five or six photos of the property, and then our office name and um, our office phone number in case they needed to call the office direct, but nothing else, just photos of the property. And on the back, it has a list of all of our other properties that we have in the area for sale as well with their codes. And so we know, and this is the exact script I use for sellers, 
is we know, based on the National Association of Realtors, that at least 90% of buyers go to the internet before they go drive around or before they contact a realtor usually. And so when they're driving around, usually they already know about the properties because they have a list of them that they're going to drive by. So when they get to the property, your property, they're thirsty for more information or if anything has changed since they saw it online. So our goal is for them to to see us online and we have you staged beautifully online. But once they've come out and decided to drive by, that they call us to see if anything has changed on your listing. And my team is trained on scripts on how to convert that buyer that's standing in front of your house, which in my mind is our best buyer, to get an appointment to show them your property. And we get, gosh, at least maybe a low month would be 100 calls from, from our flyers. A high month, we've had upwards of 400 calls on our flyers a month. And how many signs are out there? How many yard signs are generating that? I usually, we usually have between uh, 40 and 80 signs with pendings and for sale. And it's so basic. And, you know, I, I was so that person that I'm annoyed if the flyers do not have a price on it. I am that person. And so for 14 years, I had a price on my flyers. And I have sellers that are annoyed that the price isn't on their flyer. And I just really take my time to explain with them the method behind my madness, I say, and the result that we get from the flyers. Because I had to get out of my own way to do this. And it, and it works. People call in. They do. They call, And if they, if they wanted to know bad enough without talking to one of us, then they're going to either go into our website, which they can, the website's on the flyer, or they can pull up on their smartphone and get the information. So our goal is just to capture as many people we can on that property. And then when we sell other properties in the area, we have a list of people that maybe didn't buy that house that we can call to cross-market our other properties. So we're just always accumulating more and more people and more and more buyers that, that more often than not we get to talk to. Tell me again what's on the flyer itself. You said there's a lot of pictures. How many pictures? We have a standard template and we have um, five pictures usually a big one at the front, or we, we show off like if it's a view, you know, the, the best pictures of the property. What other information is on that flyer? You said you've kept it simpler. Do you put the address? Yes, we have the address. Number of bedrooms and bathrooms? Nope. Square footage? Nope. So it just has the address and pictures and a number to call? Yep. Does it have a headline? Nope. The headline is, Due to the rapidly changing market, please call Twirl's hotline for the current price and information. And it says call 1-800-735-5285, enter code, whatever the code is. It just tells them, hey, give a call if you want more information. And it gives them options on how through either IVR, direct call, or the website. It has the address, five pictures. No, six pictures. Well, depending on how nice your front shot is, or your view shot. So five to six pictures. And... That's it. And then on the back, they flip it over and there are pictures of other properties. No pictures, just like standard information, like the MLS number, the square footage, bedrooms, bathroom, and city. On the other properties in the neighborhood, no pictures, but some basic information that they may want to call. Is there an IVR number next to those? Yep, for each one. So technically, it's kind of funny, right? Technically, if they really wanted to know the price of the current property they're looking at, they can flip it over because we, we don't specify for each one that we're blacking that one, right? So they could, you know, they could find out. But they usually, they call. It's, it's amazing how many calls that we get. I love it. Their color. It's become a, a good lead generator. You said full color? 
Full Color, we work with different lenders and we send them leads so they print us our flyers. Very good. So the lender's taking care of the price of printing them out. How about getting them to the property and delivery? Who's filling it up? You or the seller? The box? Well, at our sign company, we've, we've, we try to take a lot of tasks off us because we realize that it, you know, it's a lot harder to, to sell homes these days and it takes a lot longer in general. We have taken a lot of our tasks that we can delegate to our title companies, our sign companies, and we've asked them for more support. And so our sign company will actually stop by our lender's office on the way to put up the sign and put the flyers in the box for us. Do you run out of flyers? We do an update with the seller every week on Fridays. And we have an initial letter that goes out that says, you know, what we're going to be doing for them and that they can expect to hear from either myself or my, my listing manager um, once a week. And we've established how they want to be communicated with. Is it by email or is it by call? Most are by email. Nine out of 10 of them are at least. We, um, at that time, ask them you know, to let us know if, if they're running low. If they live in the property, we're mailing them the flyers to save money on our, our field manager. And if it's vacant, then she will do an area where she delivers a bunch of flyers. How many do you send out at a time when you mail them out to the seller? Usually 60. And then if we have team members going to show it, we ask them to remember to grab flyers. So we've printed black and white ones in the past, and we had almost as many calls from these, these flyers with strict black and white. We've just recently re- switched to color this year because I didn't want to pay for the dollars. So I did a print in black and white. Yard signs and flyers have been a good lead generator, a good source of leads for you. One of your better ones? Yes. The signs are up longer. And so we take every advantage we can with that. Have you done anything unique with your sign? Yes. A couple of things. One, before we had terminated our billboard contract, I had a picture with my son and I um, because he's my everything and, and had him on my back. And so it's a really cute picture of him and I, and he's on my back and it's kind of a silly picture, but it's fun. And so I incorporated him into everything. He was on our billboards, our he's on our website, he's on um, our signs that are in front of the yards. And as soon as I did that, it just made me more human. I can tell you, I never had anyone ever that I can remember say, hey, I, Torl, I really like your signs. And as soon as I, I put that on there, it, it humanized me somehow. And, and they were just like, wow, you know, I really like your signs. And I'm like, wow, you know, no one's ever told me that. So that was really cool. And, and he's, you know, the reason I do everything. So I've, I, I just decided that, that we're going to do this together. And, and I immediately um, changed our yard signs as well. And I also decided to make them reflective because it was just a, a little bit more um, for budgeting. And I knew that I had re- removed a lot of our other expenses. And the fact that I had tracked how many calls we were getting from our signs and our flyers, and that half of our year, it gets dark at about five o'clock, that I wanted to be able to stand out in the crowd and be different. No one else is doing those. Do you pay your son for modeling for that photograph? I do. He has, um, um, he has a, a savings for college that I pay him about $500 a year based on my CPA that, that I can pay him to be on our advertising. He's already a model. Yes. <laughs> I tell him the next one, I'm going to be on his back. And we need a new photo because that's about two years old. He's, he's getting bigger. <laughs> It'll happen soon. <laughs> well, I want to talk about your team. 
could you tell us about your team? Could you tell us who's on your team? And when I say that, I don't mean the people, but rather the positions or the titles. What is the structure of this team that you're working with? Yes, I, I couldn't really do anything without my team because we all have different strengths. And I um, currently have um, four buyer specialists, um, like we talked about, but I've recently hired three of them in the last year, really, or even in the last six months. And in, in my goal is to recruit, to always have um, at least six buyer specialists based on the amount of leads that, that we have coming in, strictly from those ads we just talked about. And I also have my closing manager, Colleen, um, who's amazing. She is the offer and closing manager. So I'll go and take the listing or they'll come into the office and we'll, we'll get the listing. And then as soon as we have an offer, my listing manager um, congratulates the seller on the offer. And um, Colleen usually by then has called and introduced herself and said, hey, I'm Torrell's and the team's um, offer manager. And good news, we just got an offer on your property. I'll be your contact from here on out. Torrell and I have already reviewed your property and the offer. And um, is it best to go over the offer right now on the phone? I've already sent it to you for your review. Or um, do you want to come into the office and review it? And she handles the negotiations. She um, handles the, the communication with the other agent and takes it all the way to closing, where literally on most, most transactions, I call them to congratulate them on their sale. We have Mandy, who is our office manager, but right now she's stepped into the role of our listing department as listing manager, and then is also managing a handful of properties as rentals for us as we're growing that department as well. And she handles um, the listing from basically the, the listing paperwork to the launching of the marketing strategy to the weekly updates and flyers and the whole marketing strategy after it gets listed until we get an offer. And she also is, is managing properties, you know, taking rents in, um, posting the notices to the sellers, and is also helping me with uh, the leading and management of our team. We also have a field manager. My mom, her name is Venka. And she's amazing. She is out in the field daily inspecting our properties. She helps us post notices. She takes photos for us on a lot of our short sales and REO properties, especially our REOs that we have to take weekly you know, photos of. She helps us with deliveries and getting bids. Just an, an amazing strength um, within our team to help us make sure our properties look good. And such, I have um, a virtual assistant from the Philippines that I hired through myoutdesk.com. And I had never had a, a virtual assistant, but I had heard that they can be a great asset to a team. And I had had a lot of turnover within my team. And I was frankly, like sick of drama and having people in office and the taxes we pay in our state for having employees and, and you name it, I was just over it. So last year when I, when I started deploying most of my team and decided to recreate it, I hired this virtual assistant and I interviewed about five and I found this gentleman who surveyed as a C on the DISC and was great at spreadsheets and does, he does a lot of my follow-up through our database. He helps report my numbers weekly to me. He helps fill out my REO applications. He helps pull comparables for our BPOs, broker price opinions for our companies. He just does a lot of back-end work that really supports our team. Um, he actually also... Colleen does so many emails because she, you know, at any time can have, you know, 40 to, you know, 60 pending files. 
So every email she sends, she blind copies him, and he cut and pastes the notes into our real pro system so we have an accountability of all the communication we're doing, which saves her time of cutting and pasting. What do you do? I have the vision, and I strive in being the, the, the pricing queen, if you will. I have replaced myself in every aspect and found team members and, and people that are stronger in their strengths of doing the things that they're doing than I am in doing those things. And, and they're amazing. They're amazing talent and, and, and character. And, and we hired them based on our core values. But the one thing that I, that I haven't tackled yet, we'll say, and I know a lot of us that are team leaders haven't, is replacing myself with the listings. And I've had listing partners in the past that, that, have been, that have been okay, and I just haven't fully removed myself from that role, probably because I enjoy it, I'm good at it, and I haven't maybe found the right, the right you know, people to, to replace what I do in, in the, the listing department and listing the houses. You're doing the overall vision for the company, and you're also handling the listing portion of the business. Yes, I run the business and the owner. I do the vision. Um, I run the the team huddles usually, or I, I help in the team huddles, and I I do all the listings. I take all the listings. When you say team huddle, what is the team huddle? We have a daily huddle at 9:33 to start the day off right. We come together as a team daily at 9:33 to do our tens for the day. So what what was awesome? What what made your your day a ten yesterday? And and why, and what will make your day attend today, and why? And we we clap, you know, all together, so it, it grounds it. And we on Tuesdays we expect the buyer team to be there as well, because on the other days it's you know buyer team might be out and about, and it was hard to reel them in every day, you know Monday through Friday to a, a daily huddle. But we do it every day with the buyer specialists and the team members that are there. So there's usually you know three to five of us a day, depending. But then usually they're, they're, all of us are there on, on the Tuesdays. But we also share our metrics on, on, on what we've accomplished year to date. We share the web leads that have come into the website. We share new listings, new sales. We just do our tracking so we can you know, be moving forward together as a team. And we end usually with a couple different things. We'll do as a team what we're grateful for individually, what we love about life. And then a lot of times we'll even do what we love about each other. There's a lot of things that, that we don't recognize in each other during the day because we're all so busy that we can take time to recognize at that minute. And it's just, a, it's a really, a, a really cool feel good thing. And, and the team really likes it because we're all different personalities and we all get something from it. And then we usually watch John Maxwell's Minute with Maxwell, which he does a word of the day. And he is very inspiring and is an amazing leader himself. And he has a little video that we watch on, on the computer that will inspire us for the word of the day. And then we do a cheer, just like we're ending a huddle. And we pick the word of the day, depending on how the meeting went. And we all cheer and, and move on with our day. How long does that huddle take? On average, it's less than 15 minutes. On Tuesdays, we'll incorporate some training. So right now on Tuesdays, the team comes in and we've signed up as, as a team for Financial Peace University through Dave Ramsey. Because I want to always be growing both personally and mentally and physically and business all together. Because if we can improve our lives at home, it's going to improve our lives at work and vice versa. And 
we, um, as a team, co-created the opportunity to, to get more training on those Tuesdays. So we were going through the actual Financial Peace University class that Dave Ramsey has, and we do that together every Tuesday right now for 13 weeks. How long have you been doing this team huddle? We have done it now for two years, over two years. Wow. So it is stuck. Yeah. You're seeing the benefits of it. Absolutely. We love it. It gets you into the office. It gets you thinking about what happened yesterday that was good and what's going to happen today that's good. It just really starts the day off on the right foot. Gets your best foot forward. A few more questions about your virtual assistant. How do you compensate your virtual assistant? I pay the MyOutDesk and I pay them like an independent contractor. So they have different rates, but I pay mine $7.60 an hour. So it's about $600 every two weeks. And he works 40 hours a week for me. Okay. So he is working 40 hours a week? Yeah. And he helps me a lot with like Facebook and reminding me to, you know, do the birthday wishes. He just does little stuff that sometimes I get sidetracked on as I'm leading a team. Is it difficult to manage someone who's not there in the office, who in fact is on the other side of the world? How do you make sure they're not just sitting around eating bonbons? Well, that's what's so funny about me is if the more, the more growth I have, if I can find the right people, we would be doing an amazing amount of volume because I always have something for someone to do and co-creating that. <laughs> I have lots of ideas of where we can go and what we should be doing. But with him, I, I will think of something that, that I want to add to his task list. And at the end of each day, all of my team members send me an accomplishment, it's called. And it, usually it's either the date or accomplishments in the headline. And they, they tell me what they've accomplished for the day. Usually that includes different things that they've done. Like with him, he'll tell me like how many Craigslist ads he posted or how many new ones he created or how many emails he sent to a prospect based on their search of that or how many email leads he sent to Dave Ramsey or how many market analysis he did or if he helps Colleen or he'll send me an accountability. He'll also send me any questions he has, like a questions line. He'll also tell me what he didn't accomplish for the day and then like another and each each team member does that daily to me at the end of the day so and we send that to everyone so everyone knows what each other's doing and we implemented that about six months ago and it's probably the one of the best things I've ever done is that sent by email or how is that being communicated yeah by email so the buyer team does it the admin team does it Stephen does it everyone does it besides me because it's my goal to to not be doing the tasks like at hand to move the business forward, I want to be working on the growth and the vision. And so I've asked them if, you know, do you guys mind if I am not participating in this? I just am taking all of what you guys have accomplished collectively and figuring out what's working and what's not. And they love it. Everyone knows what each other's doing. So Manny in our listing department could say, hey, we just had an agent, you know, one of our accomplishments that we got an offer on our Sherman listing. And she sends that all to us out, you know, tonight. And then the buyer team maybe just showed the Sherman listing. And so then they can call their buyer and say, hey, I just saw that we are getting an offer on our Sherman listing. So it, it's collectively helps the right hand know what the left hand's doing. How are you compensating your buyer specialists? We are a team model. So we split everything on a 50-50 split with no, no cap because there isn't a desk fee or, or a fee collected from them in order to work at our office besides out of the commissions. So it's just a pure 50-50 split? 
50-50 split. And we have an office fee of 6% that goes towards marketing and running the office. And that comes off the top of everything that comes through the office. Yes. And then they also pay half. Closing manager gets bonused at $100, at least a transaction, $100. And they pay half of that because she helps process their closing after it's been accepted to get it go to closing so they can be working on showing and selling more houses. Do you ever get a buyer agent that says, no, I'll close my own deal and, and not pay the half? Nope. And that's part of us being at the huddle, right? Because they, they, they see what Colleen's doing and they see her email of all of her accomplishments and what's going on. And, and they meet with her too, you know, one-on-one to, to talk about the closing. So it, it, hasn't been, it hasn't been a problem at all. Toral, you've gone through some ups and downs. You've restructured your team. There's going to be some people out there that are wondering, are you profitable? Yes. We actually were really excited, well, you know, to continue to be profitable. I think a couple of years ago, I, I thought my CPA was crazy, and I'm, I don't understood how he figured that we were still profitable, when in my mind, we were nowhere close. <laughs> but um, he, he said we were, and I didn't believe him. But no, this year, we were so proud that as of October, we had beat our numbers for the year prior. And so in this last third quarter, uh, actually fourth quarter, will be our strongest quarter that we've had literally in the past three years. And so we have now the right people. We have everything based on the right core values and, and what I believe in and what I'm about. And we are moving forward in a steady pace and building the foundation so it's as strong as it's ever been. Could you tell us what your profit margin is as a percentage of your revenues? Right now, my P&L um, states that it's about um, 30% profit based on our expenses this year. I didn't even know if that was good or bad <laughs> because <laughs> I hadn't always focused on the numbers before because I wasn't great at that, right? But, but now I'm amazing at it. Now you're looking at the whole thing. Daily, literally. The 30%, just so I understand that correctly, if you bring in $100, $70 goes out in expense and $30 is left over for you as profit. Is that correct? Yes. Are you part of the 70%? In other words, do you pay yourself a salary that's an expense up there before the 30% comes out? Yes. Okay. So actually, you're receiving a little more than 30%. You're getting some type of salary plus the 30% net profit. Yes. I'm a huge fan of Mint, M-I-N-T dot com, and it's free. Um, you can go on the website and sign up for it, and you can have it as an app on your phone. And it's like QuickBooks, but for dummies like me, I, I'm not a CPA. I, I have a bookkeeper that comes in you know, every other week to do all of our accounting, and my CPA checks it. And I wanted something that I could budget myself and look at the numbers that we're going through and have all my accounts in one spot, kind of like the mothership of finances. And I have that through Mint, and it's free. It's been recommended to me by lots of very successful people that use it with all their properties. If you have any debt with credit cards, you can put those in there and see how you're going to pay them off and kind of what you focus on expands. And I'm all about being debt-free and profitable. So I'm literally probably logging onto it like every hour because I want to know where my money's going and what it's being spent on and, and tracking that. Yeah, you had mentioned that you were doing reviews daily. How are you getting the information from your business into Mint? Are you doing that as your accountant or bookkeeper are doing that? How's that happening? Well, it comes from your bank account. So your online banking, whether you have accounts at several different banks, you put them all into the system and it has your online banking for each bank account. 
each credit card, each savings account, money market account, you name it, all goes into one system so you can track the balances and, and, and payments that you've made out of each system. So you're seeing your savings and cash position. Are you also seeing some kind of P&L, what your revenues and expenses are? I do. I see it through that because I see things clearing in the budgets that were set. But then at least weekly, my bookkeeper sends me the current P&L after um, things, you know, things have been paid out. And we do most everything online because I, I, I was so I'm, I don't like to get things in the mail, especially bills. It just seems like such an encumbrance to me, like having to open them and everything. So I tried to switch to everything being emailed to me and then we pay everything online because that way I can track everything. I pay the bookkeeper less hours for her time. We don't have to pay the mail and the receptionist to do all of it. So most everything we do is online now, but we track it all. She sends me a P&L based on the month. She sends me a P&L based on the last last year, like the, and I forget what they're all called because I'm not techie when it comes to those things. She sends me like five different reports and I can review them weekly. I actually, I incorporated a few months ago where I even share with my main core group, which is like our executive huddle, which is like Colleen, Mandy, Johnny, who's my significant other and, and one of our buyer specialists and myself, we review our financials, uh, a separate huddle that we do called like an executive huddle because I want them to know where we're going to and to be helping with more sets of eyes on what's going on with the business because they have different strengths than I do. And, and I would love to, to share at some point uh, or when we're, when we're debt-free and have emergency funds, the profits with them because they're amazing people. Did you mention that you're getting into property management? Are you managing properties as well? Yes, we've done it now for a couple years, not with huge force, just as a referral network so far. And we have, I want to say like eight, eight or 10 properties that Manny's managing right now. So it's not a lot, but we definitely have potential to do a lot. And we have the system set up to do that. We just, it hasn't been a huge force because we've been getting everything in line with our selling team and the right people there first, because that's been our strength. That's our logo. That's our slogan to all houses. We want to have that platform ready to go and always solid and then work on the other you know, strengths of our company and, and growth. Toral, how do you manage your time? How do you keep control of your time? I time block. So I have a schedule of our huddles at 9.33. Before our huddle, I usually review my day on, on what it looks like and, and, and do, try to do some planning and solitude of what, you know, where am I going and you know, what's the future look like. I get my son off to school. I get down for our daily huddle. I have usually an opportunity to do some return calls and emails after our huddle. And then I immediately go into one-on-ones with my team. So on Tuesdays, um, our goal is to meet with each buyer specialist as a one-on-one to track, you know, their reports that they're sending me. Are they sending them to me? We've had, you know, we've had it where they forgot to be sending me their, their accomplishments. And so we're talking about, you know, how many live calls are they making? What have their wins been? you know, who are their A buyers, just, you know, checking in with them. Like sometimes that meeting can be a huge boost in just changing the mindset kind of a thing. And so we do that on Tuesdays and Mondays um, after the huddle, I, I meet with our office manager who is a listing manager now, Mandy, and talk about what, you know, different items we're working on and one-on-one with her. And on Wednesdays, it's with Colleen after huddle. And 
therefore I usually am doing listing appointments after the one-on-ones in the afternoons. And then I usually am not working past five or six at night um, because I want to get home with my son. On Thursdays, I actually take off at about 1220 and I go to a school to help with his classroom. And I'm with him till the end of the school day. And then on Thursday afternoon, it's Soren and Mama Day. And it always has been for years where we just hang out and do our thing. And then on the weekends, it's a rare occasion that, that I'll work, but it's strictly by appointment or if it's something I really want to do. But otherwise, I have appointments and I'm not available until um, during the week. So I, I really have a great schedule, right? Because I, I have a lot of support and I'm very blessed. I'm very, very, you can probably tell I'm very fast-paced, so I, I can get a lot of things done because I'm very focused when I do things. It's very much intentional. I think I save a lot of time with that, but I've also hired the right people now and have an amazing support staff. And, and the admin team, they, they have a Monday through Friday schedule about 8 to 5. They're on salary, so sometimes if they have something that they need to do on the weekend or after hours, they'll do it. But we're really flexible for them on doctor's appointments, and no one clocks in or clocks out. We just have the right people that, that we can count on now. And I've had the wrong people where you wondered what they were doing, and we don't have them anymore. <laughs> so um, that you know that's definitely been growth. And our buyer team, we expect them to take at least a day off during the week is, we, is what we prefer. But if they have Saturday that they used to always do something as a family, then, then hey, they should take Saturdays off. We want them to take at least a day off during the week or, or weekend. And then that way they can be really intentional on those other days and um, be focused on their goals. Toral, what drives you? You know, I was thinking a lot about that question. And I think what drives me the most is seeing people win and winning through people and helping others, inspiring. You know, it used to be, if you would have probably asked me, you know, you know 10 years ago, it was what drives me is I wanted to be the number one real estate agent in the world. I wanted to be number one, you know, on the planet kind of a thing. And, and after I had my son, I kind of stepped back and I had an aha moment of, gosh, you know, I, I really just want to be the best mom in the world and the best significant other, um, the best daughter. I want to be the best team leader. Just all around, you know, doing the right thing and helping people and putting out their good energy. And it, it, I figured, you know, I think that at that point you, you kind of come to the realization that, that through that you'll be able to help a lot of people and achieve goals that you couldn't even dream of when you wanted to be the number one real estate agent in the world. Toral, why are you successful? I know that I'm successful because when I, when I got into the business at such a young age, I didn't have a doubt in my mind that I wouldn't be. And I think a lot of times it's our own selves that hold our, ourselves back above everything else. And I remember this older man that, that had gotten his license and he was working as an agent in our team. And then it wasn't for him, the business. And he later had me come over to, to sell his house. And he's like, he asked me, he's like, Toral, you know, how did, you know, how in the world did, did you become, you know, successful where you can help this many people, you know, buy and sell houses and, and lead a team and stuff. And the only answer I had was that it, I didn't ever have a doubt that I couldn't. I, I just didn't. And through the, the experiences of the last few years, did I have my doubts? <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, you know, gosh, Toral, you made so many what appeared to be good decisions, but turns out they were just huge lessons that had to be learned. 
wow, you know, I, 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 you just, you just don't, you know, you don't realize how important things are until you, and not even things, but just, you don't, you don't know what you have and, until it appears to be all going away. And just to get a grasp on, on what you can learn from that. If you were to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? Depending on if they had funds set aside, I would have, I would, I would want to know that they had an emergency fund set up for the starting of the business because it, it's like a snowball effect. You have to push the snowball up the hill for so you know many months before you start to see things that are that are going to be accomplished, sales and closings and those kind of things. And depending on what their budget was, I, w- I would immediately have someone that would hold them accountable, whether it was a coach or um, a program that they could sign up for or a, a local company that would give them the tools needed because the tools that we use, I am literally a product of the top realtors in the nation because I've copied them because they said that I could and made it to be my own. And so most everything that's being done that's successful, you can take and tweak it to be your own. And, and that I would, that I would just love to see if a new agent were to start that they could just, you know, take a plan that's already worked in the past and implement it to be their own. Do you think the top agent interviews like the one we're doing now with Mastermind Agent are valuable? Absolutely. I'm a product of them. I, I literally listened to Howard Britton's tapes when I was brand new, 19 years old, in my car with my cassette player or in my cubicle with my radio that played tapes. I don't even know what they call those anymore. And I, I listened to the club and I, I listened to what people did that were, you know, what they, what worked for them and based on their personalities and what I liked, I just, I pulled from it and I was like, gosh, I could do that. I could do that. And I, I tweaked it to be my own. I do that every day. That's, I, that's why I go to conference. That's why when you emailed me, I, I was like, gosh, yeah, I'd love to be part of something where we can share because there's so much business and there's so much opportunity that there's enough to go around and we can share locally. Even I'll share with all my friends and competitors what we do because we can all, together create a good name for each other and, and help each other. Tora, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Is there anything that you'd like to talk about that we haven't talked about yet? I think that we covered it all. I just emphasize that, you know, surrounding yourself with good people is really um, the most amazing thing you can do and having the right, the right team and it really helps make the right decisions. Well, Toral, you've become an extraordinary business person and leader. You've experienced the best and the worst of business. You grew fast, used leverage, and built a wildly successful business. Then you fell, thanks to a declining market, over leverage, and a faltering partner. You picked yourself back up, dusted yourself off, cleaned up the finances, noted the lessons, and forged a new, stronger business structure. Now you're on a better footing and moving forward with superior wisdom and a winning team. Thank you again for being our top agent of the month. And join us next time when we talk to an agent who uses virtual assistance and sold 298 homes last year worth $22 million. Find out who he is on the next success call.
If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at freeleadtime.com. That's freeleadtime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.